The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go, go, go. Can't believe it. It's Wednesday already. How did that happen? The midweek edition of the Goat Radio Football Show. Football chat between now and seven with Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, and Barry Ferguson is with us tonight. It's it's all happening, isn't it? Sarajevo Celtic, that's tomorrow night now. Seven o'clock kickoff in Bosnia in the Europa League playoff round. Rangers at home to Galatasaray at 7.45. And then the following night, the Premiership is back. It's Aberdeen, St Mirren, Dundee United, Livingston, Hibs and Hamilton, Kilmarnock and Motherwell. And Sunday for St Johnston, Celtic and Rangers, Ross Kenty. In the course of the show tonight, we're going to be speaking to the former Livingston and Hibs player, and a great pundit, yes, Stuart Lovell, talking to him, talking to Stephen Presley as well, the former Rangers and Celtic player, Dundee United and Hearts too. And uh, TV actor Scott Reid will be joining us. He's a big Celtic fan and we'll be talking to him about his football playing as well as his acting on the telly. We want you involved as well, don't we, Ali? Of course, we always do. Get in touch, 88 17 17 700 if you want to give us a wee call. Maybe you've got a point that you want to bring up. Maybe you've heard something in the chatter today and you want to talk about it. Maybe you've got a question for Barry or or maybe you want to drop us a text 87474 go at the start of your message and remember all the socials at go football show let's get the bad news out of the way right at the top of the show three Kilmarnock players have tested positive for COVID-19 and one at Hamilton Academical as well Kelly said their trio would have NHS tests uh, later on today um, after training was cancelled. Uh, they stressed preparations continuing, though, for the match we've just mentioned, the Friday night uh, Premiership visit of Motherwell with further scheduled testing to be carried out when the players arrive at training tomorrow. All four individuals are self-isolating and will miss Friday's matches. Hamilton, who are scheduled to play Hibs, trained today after having to cancel yesterday's session. Kilmarnock uh, became the sixth of the 12 Scottish Premiership clubs to confirm a positive test result, while it is the second occasion that Hamilton have reported one. Although some have subsequently returned negative outcomes, Motherwell, Aberdeen, St Mirren and Hibs have all uh, also had either players or staff forced to self-isolate. Barry, it's just becoming uh, an unhappy trend, this one, and uh, getting over the whole disruption thing is becoming a big issue in Scottish football. Yes, it is worrying when you, you hear certain clubs, um, certain players at, at certain clubs, sorry, uh, testing positive uh, for the virus. But there is a spike in general, Rob, and it is to be expected. Is the players are obviously in a bubble, but they've still got to have their lives if, if that means maybe going to the shops at times um, to pick up some messages or, or whatever. It, it's going to happen. It's disappointing, like Kilmarnock, four, four players. They could be important players um, for Kilmarnock. And it's the second time it's happened at Hamilton, but it's something that I think we're going to have to get used to, Rob. Yep, I think so. Um, we're going to get you in the course of the show, uh, maybe not in the course of the show, maybe in the course of the next couple of days. We'll see how you get on to pick your Scotland team, because last time we asked you to pick your Scotland team, uh, you and Stevie Clark were on exactly the same wavelength. Um, I think you predicted the team and you predicted the right result as well. So if you, we'll, we'll give you a bit of time for result, but you've got the squad in front of you. How long and, am I getting? Well, maybe, what about the course of the show today? Do you think by the end of the show today you might be able to come up with something? You probably know already anyway. Yeah, I'll um, have a- You've got, oh. you've got a fair idea so we'll look we're at that we're going to lose him for the whole show now it's all 
all he's going to think about. I know, that's the, the head will be down. He'll be scribbling and that'll be the last we'll hear of him, uh, to be honest. But no, it's not going to be the last we hear of you because we're going to talk about those uh, two massive uh, matches tomorrow night for Celtic and Rangers. Sadly, sadly, Aberdeen and Motherwell have fallen by the wayside, but it is Celtic and Rangers, as is so often the case, flying the flag for Scotland and Europe. It's the Europa League playoff round, so it's a big one uh, because if they can get through that one, uh, they're into the highly lucrative group stages of the competition. Um, and obviously, on the back of that, that could have a massive say in uh, spending power for Celtic and Rangers moving on with the transfer window due to close on Monday. The draw for the group stages is on Friday. And whether or not Celtic and Rangers are in that might have a big say as to what happens next. Let's uh, hear from the, both uh, the managers, uh, Neil Lennon and Stephen Gerrard, the Rangers gaffer first, talking about transfers and uh, who might be uh, heading in the door at Ibrox. Well, I think I've made it pretty clear what I feel we need, but I also respect the club's position and the current climate and the situation that we're in. I do think that, depending on whether we qualify or not, would depend on what we try and do in, in the final days. You know, I think that's a question for people that are above me at the club. I can't really answer that question right now, but I've made it pretty clear what I feel we need to keep moving forward to make sure that we don't stand still. So he knows, uh, Barry, what he wants, uh, but what's going to happen here? Well, it's clear that the manager wants to still strengthen the squad, there's no doubt about it, but it, it sounds to me that it hinges on Rangers getting past Galatasaray, um, getting into, the, as you mentioned, that lucrative uh, group stage. So, I, I, I do think Rangers w will do it. Look, Galatasaray, there, there's no doubt that they're a good team, but they're not the force they were. I, I still fancy Rangers to do it, they're playing with a lot of confidence, but it's key from the manager's interview there that they need to get through and if they do get through he'll be given the, the finances to go and bring in one or two uh, players to, to bolster that squad Yeah it's interesting isn't it to look at Galatasaray they're, they're such a big name they're, yeah. they're Champions League regulars mm -hmm. uh, the season before last uh, they won their 22nd Turkish title so that's that's the pedigree they have but they were 6th last season they just scraped into the Europa League qualifiers so as we were saying I think on Monday there's a good reason that they're in this competition and not the big one in Europe because they're going through tough times as well and it was interesting I was just reading some quotes today from their vice president saying that uh, yes he's got a little bit of money to spend but it's a million euros that, that's what that's all they've got to spend at the moment with the transfer win coming, coming to an end we bemoan sometimes uh, the lack of spending ability among our clubs there's one of the big teams in Europe Europe with very little to spend and I think like Rangers um, their opponents it, it very much hinges on how they do tomorrow night as to what they have to spend mm -hmm. Well if you mentioned Galatasaray the first thought that comes to you is they, they're a big club um, and you would imagine that they had millions to go and spend in the, the transfer market and it's been made clear that they're in the same sort of situation as the, the, the bigger Scottish clubs, i.e. Rangers and, and Celtic. But you, you still look at them, their the, the squad, Rob. They've got Phil Carl up front. I know he's getting on a bit, but he's still a quality player. They've got Ryan Babo, ex-Liverpool, yep. who also um, can change a game. So they are still a strong team. There's no doubt about it. But as I said just now, watching Rangers, that confidence has flown through that team. and They're playing at home, albeit no fans. But I, I fancy, I strongly fancy Rangers to do it. 
But Stephen Gerrard sounding there, was he sounding a little bit frustrated? I mean, sounding certainly as if he wants to add one or two names. There's no doubt, ma'am. He's mentioned the last week or two that he's he's clearing the fact that he wants to get that midfielder in and maybe another, maybe utility player, defender, maybe even um, up top. So he, he does want to strengthen. I think, I think key to this is when you're on top for him, the best time to strengthen is when you're winning games of football. Because it shows you, it shows the players that there's no rest in place, and the manager's obviously keen to do it. And I'm sure Rangers board will try their best to, to back the manager because I think he's been, he's done some good work in the transfer market this this season. It definitely ups the ante, doesn't it? There's this whole financial factor that's built into uh, qualifying for the the group stages of, of this uh, Europa League. I mean, you want it anyway. You want to be there mm-hmm. for for prestige reasons. You you want it for all sorts of football reasons to be there. Um, but it, the fact that Rangers spending and, and the rest of the season mm-hmm. is dictated to by one match tomorrow night, it turns you know makes it. It, it makes it really high tension, doesn't it? Yeah, financially it's massive for the club. Financially it helps the, the manager go and build that squad to compete with Celtic. And to do that, they need to get through a tough game tomorrow night against a good team. As I said, they're not the, the same um, Galatasaray as five, six years ago. There's no doubt in my mind about that. They've still got good players, as I mentioned. But the key for the manager to go and strengthen is winning a game of football tomorrow night and... As I said, they look like a team that's full of confidence and the manager has mentioned that he would like to, to add to the squad so it's imperative they get through tomorrow. What about Celtic? Um, they won against Riga in Latvia um, last week. It's Sarajevo again, away from home this time in Bosnia for Celtic. Seven o'clock kickoff uh, tomorrow night. And of course, uh, bubbling about in the background is all sorts of transfer talk, uh, potential ins and outs at Celtic. Here's Neil Lennon. What about players leaving? I don't think that's an issue for us now in terms of players leaving. You know, the club are going to be and are quite strong on that. We don't want anyone to leave. We want to keep all our assets. And regardless of the result tomorrow night, that will be the case. Yeah, well, understandably, Neil Lennon wants to keep the big assets. Uh, most of the transfer talk has surrounded Ayer and Christie and, of course, Odson Edouard of late. Uh, Crystal Palace and, and Arsenal are quoted with, a, with interest in him. He's been in and out of the side in the last few weeks and people, of course, are looking at him, maybe reading too much into it, but questioning sort of body language and, and where he's at at the moment, where he sees his future, Barry. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Celtic fans would be happy with that interview. I think the manager's made it clear that the, the board are, are going to try their best to keep um, their most influential players. Edward's key. Um, I know he's not had a... A great start to the season, but Rob, once he's up and flying, he's he's top notch. Christie, as well, for me, over the last couple of years, he's been one of Celtic's most effective players. Aya, I don't, I don't know if the Celtic fans would be too concerned if an Aya was to go. We obviously Shane Duffy coming in, but it's clear to me with that interview that the manager's confident in his board that if offers do come in for for their top players. That they'll um, they'll brush him under the carpet and move on. I and get, I get, I do, I get that. I get that he wants to 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 keep the assets. Um, Peter Lowell and and the board want to want to keep them as well. But what happens if a a big offer comes in in the next few days? Uh, 
35 million, 40 million pounds offer for, for Odson Edouard in these tough times financially where, where clubs have got to be looking at the money they're hemorrhaging at the moment? They've got to look at that. I mean, I think he's worth that all day, Edward. He's a 30, 35 million pound player for so me. So what, what would you what would what would be the price at which you would reckon Celtic well, would start to get tempted? It's got to be round about that, Mark Rob. Um but he's key to Celtic I, I, as I, I mentioned a minute ago. I know he's not had a great start to the season, but if you get him playing at the top of his game, he's a top, top player. Um but as you says, every player's got their, their, their price, Rob. And when you start banding the figures about 30 million, 35 million, then Celtic would need to seriously look at that. Um, but I'm sure the manager's desperate to keep him. The transfer window ends on Monday, and I don't think Neil Lennon will be too disappointed. No, absolutely not. No. Basically, you know, we want the week to end as quickly as possible. We want to keep all the players. If we can add one to the squad, great. If we can't, you know, I'm still very happy with. The bunch of players that have got, you know, and they will get better now. They'll, it'll set things will settle down. There'll be, um, you know, a lot more focus on on our season after that. It's interesting, isn't it, to to hear that that wording, that that conversation with Neil Lennon today. He wants things to settle down. He probably wants to settle down himself as well, because remember the reaction, his reaction after the Ferenc Varos defeat when when Celtic lost in the Champions League qualifiers, questioning players' motivation, wondering whether uh, some of them were looking to angle themselves out of the club and get a move elsewhere. Then he, he, he backtracked a bit, a bit on that statement. But there's been so much talk about transfers at Celtic and he clearly sees it as hugely unsettling. As in, as as a manager, he'll be desperate for that window to close in, in Monday and, and keep his, his squad um, together. Um, I'm sure he would like to add one. It would probably be a left-sided defender because um, they're pretty short in that area. There's only really Greg Taylor. Forrest can play there, but he's he looks like he's going about for the next few weeks, Rob. But as a manager, it is unsettling when you're, you're reading every day about Christie maybe going to Burnley and Edward attracting all sorts of attention and Ayer obviously the EC Milan thing's not went away for the last couple of months so Ping Pong he, just came out just now but five minutes ago they started talking about a potential uh, move the, for him as well it's just rumour mill it's yeah, th- this yeah, is yeah. What, what happens leading up to the window closing so he'll just be desperate and then the focus can be totally on um, the squad that's intact and going forward until the window reopens in, in January time there's talk. Uh, there was talk today. Um, you're talking about a left-sided player for Celtic, and mm. clearly uh, Neil Lennon wants a bit more cover in that area. With only really Greg Taylor, um, a, a naturally left-sided player for them, uh, and, and there's talk of Ryan Sessegnon, um, who Tottenham signed for 25 million from Fulham, hasn't featured this season, mm. and there's talk of Sessegnon coming on loan. I mean, that would really excite the Celtic fans. Yeah, fantastic young player at, at Fulham. He, he, he was he was great to watch. Um, a, a breath of fresh air and he got his big move to Tottenham for 25 million as you'd mentioned there it's not really worked out I don't think he's in the, the plans of Jose Mourinho so if that's a player I, I'm sure that would excite the Celtic fans because he's still young I think he's only 19-20 years of age he's 20, got a, yeah. yep, he's got a, a bright future in front of him and he would be a, he would be a superb signing for Celtic if, if that rumour's true Here's another rumour for you. Tom Ince, um, who's out of favour at Stoke City. Um, Celtic and Rangers being linked with him. He, he's obviously become available. Former England under-21 international. And of course, you know him well because he played with him at Blackpool. Yeah, fantastic player, uh, Tom was. He, was. he was a match winner, Rob. 
Um, and I've watched his career. That he's not really like kicked off. He's been to Crystal Palace, Derby, Stoke. Um, he's moved about. He needs to get a club that he's going to settle down. And I seen that that rumour today. Celtic Rangers interested in him. He is a, a very good young player. He would excite the the Rangers or Celtic fans. There's no doubt about it. Um, but he's at an age now. He needs to go and get a club that that suits him and settle down. And uh, one more bit of uh, transfer tittle-tattle for the moment uh, surrounding Alan Campbell. Not surprisingly because of the way he started the season and the way he's been playing of late for, for Motherwell and for the Scotland under-21s as well. Um, it seems, uh, according to that rumour machine, that Aberdeen and Hibs are both uh, showing an interest. Uh, I think his contract's up at the end of the season. Uh, there's talk of a, a bit of £200,000 and uh, Motherwell seem to be saying to that, not surprisingly, that's well below their valuation. That would be a snap at £200,000 um, but it's interesting to see Aberdeen are interested in him I mean what a what a midfield that would be <laughs> yeah. a young midfield that would be under 21s yeah. Scotland under 21s midfield um, Alan Campbell Lewis and and McCrory um, but the boy can go on to a, the next level there's no doubt about it I don't want to be disrespectful to Motherwell um, but he's, he's a player that certainly impressed me and it looks to me that Motherwell may lose him you can talk to Barry Ferguson on the Go Radio Football Show on the telephone number, which is 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. So much to talk about at the moment on the football front. Those two big European games tomorrow night. Sarajevo against Celtic, 7 o'clock, 7.45 for Rangers and Galatasaray at Ibrox. And uh, the prize is a ticket to the group stages of the Europa League competition. So it's massive for both clubs. The Premiership kicks back into action uh, 24 hours later. That's Friday night for the first four games. Aberdeen, St Mirren, Dundee United, Livingston, Hibs against Hamilton and Kilmarnock play Motherwell then on Sunday in Perth St Johnston Celtic and Rangers Ross County both matches pushed back because of uh, their European dates tomorrow night and then of course we're not far away from Scotland against Israel uh, we're going to get ourselves really worried about that one in the build up that's a week tomorrow at Hamden Scotland against Israel in the playoff Semi-final, let's talk to the former Hibs and Livingston and Reading and he's an Australian international as well and he's done some great work in recent times with PFA Scotland. Let's hear from Stuart Lovell. Hi Stuart. Rob, how are you? Very well, thank you. You are booming out loud and clear uh, as you always have done, of course. Um, Get the feeling, Stuart, this is just a, a massive little spell in Scottish football. Maybe there's never anything but. But those European games tomorrow... Uh, the Scotland game coming up but uh, you know and in terms of club football as well the, the old firm game you just start to think about that one it's two weeks two weeks on, on Saturday it feels at the moment uh, despite everything that's getting in the way around about us that Scottish football is, is coming to boiling point yeah that's right I mean we're, we're kicking into gear now aren't we um, we've almost had a full round of fixtures in the Scottish Premiership so the league is tart- starting to take shape to a certain degree uh, I was actually um, uh, doing a couple of games um, at the weekend, uh, Livingston against St. Johnston, and then I uh, got the graveyard shift uh, up to Dingwall doing Ross County against Aberdeen, or so I thought. But it was actually probably probably the most enjoyable game I've seen all season. Yeah, I was there, um, I was there too. Aberdeen were flying. They were brilliant. They were absolutely superb. And I wasn't expecting it, to be honest, Rob, because I feared for them a bit, having lost McKenna. They'd had a couple of... 
um, disappointing results, you know, particularly the home defeat to Motherwell. Uh, I suppose losing in, in Lisbon was not um, particularly surprising, but they didn't have very much time at all to recover, you know, Thursday night to Sunday afternoon. And I feared for them a bit. I, I must admit, I thought it'd be a really tough game. And uh, let's be honest, they probably should have been 3 nil up after about six minutes. I thought they were absolutely superb on Sunday. Yeah, and the reality for Aberdeen is, well, though they're playing, that they're going to be uh, playing a supporting role, aren't they, to the top two? Because every sign over the weekend uh, that Rangers and Celtic are starting to hit top gear and pulling away from the rest. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, for enough, one of my post-match questions to Derek McInnes was um, to, to ask him if he thought that the league was already shaping up into a top four and a bottom eight. Uh, he ducked it, um, uh, you know, but basically, basically gave the impression that he didn't agree and that it was too early to call, et cetera, et cetera. But um, uh, I'm absolutely adamant that um, that we're going to have Rangers and Celtic pulling away, um, you know, probably from pulling away from Hibs and Aberdeen, who I expect to fight out, um, you know, third and fourth. And and I and to be honest, I, I think it will be a bottom eight. I mean, you've got what four points separating Kilmarnock and fifth from St Mirren um in 12th and um and I think that uh, we're going to have a we're definitely going to have a top 4 and a, and a bottom 8 I've no idea what's going to happen underneath Hibs and Aberdeen but I don't think any of the teams below them are good enough to get into a fight for third place Celtic a point behind Rangers at the moment with a game in hand it's very tight at the top how how would you choose between those two at the moment Oh I mean I think the smart money is always going to be on on Celtic isn't it realistically I mean I, I I was very excited last Christmas when Rangers went to Celtic Park and won 2-1. And, and let's be honest, they deserved to win. They were the better team. And, and, uh, and that really kind of caught my eye because I wasn't expecting it. And I thought, wow, we've got a title race on. You know, Rangers were, were superb that day. And, and you could see from the body language of the Celtic players that they, they knew that, that they had been passed off the park that afternoon. And I think we all kind of hoped and expected, well, not Celtic fans, obviously, but... But the rest of us, just wanting to see a title race, thought, well, we've got one. And I, I, I was really, really surprised at how Rangers capitulated in the second half of the season. I mean, within a month of the restart, you could tell that they had um, they'd lost the plot and, and, and it was Celtic's title uh, in the bag. And to be honest, that's the thing that sticks in my mind now as much as Rangers have started the season very strongly. I can't forget what happened to them after the split in January. Can, can, um, they sorry, for, can they forget about it, Stuart? Well, uh, there's mental scarring, isn't there? There's mental scarring for, for players. I mean, if you look at the, the dressing room at Celtic, they, they've, they've got you know, plenty of those guys who have experienced winning multiple trophies. I mean, you know, <laughs> they've won the last nine trophies domestically and, um, and, and they're the team to beat, clearly. Um, you know, Hibs went to, to Celtic at the weekend in pretty decent form and got a, a bit of a lesson by all accounts um, and I think that um, this first Old Firm game is going to tell us a lot about the direction of the title Stuart it's Barry Ferguson here how you doing? Barry how's things you well? I'm good thanks I'm good um, just a question on obviously you were the ex-PFA player liaison officer are you concerned mm. that the amount of players that were out of contract um, during the COVID-19 yeah, I mean, um, we were in a very unusual situation, and I will say that you know I wasn't working for the PFA, you know, during the you know the COVID saga, which which is still going even even now. I mean, we're we're still feeling the effects of 
of what's going on up and down the country. But um, I mean, you know, we're we're always looking at it. You know, I mean, well, certainly from a from an ex-player's perspective, and having worked with a players' union, you're always looking at it from a player's perspective, thinking how difficult it is for guys to be furloughed and for clubs, you know, to to effectively kind of put put, put uh, players in that uh, you know scenario. However, there is another aspect to this that, that you know the wider aspects of it, and, and you know you, you're a manager of a club, so so you see it from a from a different perspective as well. That we have to try and make sure that clubs survive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's absolutely imperative that we we find some middle ground because um, you know as former players, we're always going to you know have our players hat on and think um, from the perspective of a player and want to try and make sure that players are protected and, and that their contracts are honoured. But if if a club goes under, then you know you close the curtains and, and players aren't getting paid anything. So trying to find some middle ground, um, I think is um, well, it, it's incredibly important, but it's also difficult because players want to be paid everything that they're due in their contract, understandably. And clubs, you know, in in this very unusual situation, are, are going to turn around quite rightly and say, well, we we can't afford to do that. Um, and I think that you know, I would like to have seen more open dialogue i mean this is the thing i know a lot of the time you know there are conversations going on behind closed doors but i think that um um you know the one thing you can say about hearts whether you like what they were doing or not at least they were very open and transparent mm-hmm. about what they were going to do and budge was very clear to say this is the route that we're going to go down um you know the the infamous clause 12 in the spfl contract and say if guys aren't prepared to take a cut this is the route that we're going to go down. Whether you agree with it or not is a different matter, but at least they were very honest about the route that they were going to take. I mean, I, I was, I'll be honest with you, Stuart, I, I was shocked the amount of players that were out of contract. Um, mm. Clubs didn't take the opportunity to at least furlough them for an extra month or two. Um, yes. Because that was obviously government-backed. Um, but the amount of players I had seen this season, obviously we get the list from the PFA and also I was getting agents calling them up. I, I was shocked at the number um, of players and I, I don't think there was an area for, for the players for help, um, which I found surprising. Yeah, but, uh, I, I mean, I, I can only, you know, agree with, you know, the comments that you've made that um, the furlough scheme uh, was 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 set aside um by the government to support everyone mm-hmm. and and this was you know this this was industry up and down the country and across the board and and you know whatever uh line of work that you were in there was supposed to be a support network in place and um i don't think that some of the clubs covered themselves in glory to be honest barry in the way that they handled the situation without naming names but you can probably yeah, um put the boot in yourselves if you want to but <laughs> i I, you know, read what was going on from afar and, and, and obviously, you know, I wasn't working with the with the union anymore. So um, I, I was just taking a view as, as you have. Um, but I was surprised and disappointed, um, you know, that, that some clubs, um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say exploited the situation or, or took advantage of it. That's maybe a little bit harsh, but I thought that the support scheme was in place there to be used by, by clubs and, and some did and, and sadly some didn't. Yeah, we had um, our situation. Our players were quite lucky. We we had we had a squad of, of twenty players, and nineteen were still under contract. There was only one one player, um, Chris Humphreys, 
Um, but we we actually furloughed him until the the end of August when his contract was his contract was coming to an end mid May, and I just thought it was the right thing. It was actually the club came to me and, and said, but I would have went to the club anyway and said this is the way that I would want to have have done things, and I was just disappointed and and actually shocked that some clubs didn't take that that route. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think um, uh, you know. Some people um, look at players with an air of suspicion and, and see them as money grabbers. Um, you know, that, that's, I mean, you and I have probably spent our lives defending footballers. Um, and let's be honest, there are times where you kind of feel like you're fighting a losing battle because I remember the battering that the Premier League players in England took when, when um, you know, the COVID situation kicked in and... Um, you know that there were there were lots of people, even even people in the in the cabinet of the government at Westminster were were demanding that um, you know they, these guys start giving up their salary and start doing more, not realizing that, that you know Jordan Henderson had started the conversations amongst the Premier League captains to actually you know to, to start a fund which I believe has had massive contributions. I mean, tens of millions of pounds have been contributed um, by um, Premier League players and. Um, and you like to think that um, this is something that they would have taken upon themselves anyway without having outside pressure. But um, I think there are some people in this country who believe that uh, footballers should pay for anything and everything that's going wrong in the world because they've all got so much money. Um, and, and the reality is that um, that's, you know, that's not the case for the vast majority of footballers, particularly in Scotland. I mean, let's be honest, the salaries, um, other than, uh, I would say, you know, most of the guys, not all, but most of the guys that uh, the likes of Celtic and Rangers are being very well compensated for for their jobs. But um, outside of those clubs, um, I think you'll find that the salaries are, you know, incomparable, particularly when you when you look at uh, the money that's floating around in England. It's extraordinary. Stuart, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, scientist to think that clubs have to pull together to get through this, to to get through it with minimal damage done. Do you think in Scottish football that's possible, where the self-interest is legendary? No, uh, in a word. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that's possible. I mean, I, uh, I, I found myself looking on at the situation with, with, with you know, just uh, a sense of bafflement at times. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the heart situation was interesting and, and Partick Thistle and Stranra. And, um, you know, this is not, I'm not saying this just because, because I know Barry and, and, and he's someone that I've got a lot of time for and a lot of respect for. Uh, and, and, and the fact that his club, you know, w- w- were in a position where they were looking to hopefully benefit from a new structure in Scottish football. But I thought it was a unique opportunity um, to be able to um, tweak the setup of the SPFL and have three divisions of 14, which would have allowed um, Kelty and Brora into the league. It would have allowed Hearts to remain in the same division and Partick Thistle and Stranra and Kelty and Brora, who had had excellent seasons and I think both deserve to be promoted into the um, into the SPFL proper. Um, I thought all of that could have been um, fitted into a new um, system of, of three uh, leagues of 14 and of course um, <laughs> uh, you know self-interest kicked in again 
uh, and we missed an opportunity. Uh, I mean, we all know that, you know, there was going to have to be compromises and that certain clubs were going to have to lose a little bit of money. Everyone or most of them were going to have to lose a little bit of money. But there was an opportunity, I thought, to do the right thing in inverted commas and also to, to, you know, to kind of restructure the, the shape of Scottish football. Uh, I, I was. I, I just thought it'd be, you know, more interesting having um, a premiership of 14 teams, um, because let's be honest, the vast majority of the focus in Scotland goes on the Scottish Premiership, um, because that's where the lion's share of the supporters are. Um, but I just thought having a league of 14 would have been more interesting um, for, for 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 punters up and down the country, and it feels like we've missed a trick. Stuart, it's Ali here. I'm going to take you back to your playing days when you played for Livingston and captained the team when they won the League Cup. How special was that for you? Well, it was a, it was a great period. Um, you know, I mean, I, I did a flashback recently. Um, uh, the guys at Sky had asked me to, um, to do a flashback because they were doing some prep for the Livingston Rangers game that, that uh, took place a few weeks ago. And um, they decided to, to, to pick out a goal that I scored um, for Livy, um, in it, which which happened to be um, against Rangers uh, at Arm and Vale, um, and it, it kind of helped us. In, that was my first season at the club, and it helped us to to go on and finish third in the club's first ever season in the SPL. And uh, we were talking about the fact that it was Alex McLeish's first defeat as Rangers manager. You know, he t- he took over um, from Dick Advocat um, before Christmas and had a phenomenal six months. Um, you know, went on to win both cups that season. Um, obviously, uh, Rangers were quite a long way behind Celtic in the league, but um, that was Rangers' first defeat, and it was great. It was really enjoyable for me to relive uh, <laughs> one of my best ever career goals, but also to discuss that particular season because if you make the comparison now, it's equivalent. You know, Livingston finishing third in their first ever season in the SPL is is the same as Dundee United finishing third this season, and yeah. as much as they're, they're going pretty well, United. Um, I don't think there's much chance of them finishing third this year. But, you know, that's not criticism. I just think it kind of, you know, when I look back at that period with Livy, um, you know, finishing third in, in, in the first ever season in the in the SPL, going on to qualify for Europe, playing in the Arnold Schwarzenegger Stadium against Sturm Graz, who were a proven Champions League team, and then going on to win the League Cup. It was It was a great period for the club and it was, uh, you know, that first season with Livy was probably my most enjoyable in my whole career because it was so unexpected. Those were amazing days, weren't they? And, and Livy continued to punch above their weight as well. Stuart, lovely to hear from you and uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Stuart. Cheers, Stuart. Uh, Stuart on the Go Radio Football Show. Give us a call 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Some good chat with her, the former Livingston uh, and Hibbs midfielder Stuart Lovell those amazing days at Livy and they keep on doing it don't they they keep on surprising us and they've come up with a signing today which uh, raises the eyebrows uh, they've signed the former Ipswich and Bristol City striker J. Emmanuel Thomas the 29 year old and they're calling it a bit of a coup uh, so that could uh, add significantly Barry to what Livingston already have sounds like a good signing yeah they, they always pull a rabbit out the hat um, I thought last last season I thought they get a lot of unfair criticism Rob if I'm being honest with you um, they're always labelled a, a long ball team um, but they've got some really good footballers and that's a good signing um, he's been about he's got the experience great grounding at Arsenal as a young kid um, so 
a top signing for, for Livingston that is Loving your knowledge And uh, another transfer that's gone through today Callum Patterson He's in the Scotland squad of course For the upcoming internationals And he has moved from Cardiff To Sheffield Wednesday For around about half a million pounds I think the fee is And that has significance for Scottish football Because it means the Hearts Will get a slice of that Maybe £75,000 Which is going to be very useful For them at this time Callum Patterson uh, from Cardiff to Sheffield Wednesday. Let's talk next on the Go Radio Football Show to Scottish actor. I'm sure you will know him well, Scott Reed, Methadone Mick in <laughs> Still Game. You always get that one thrown at you, Scott, <laughs> don't you? Uh, also, Line of Duty, Carnival Row, uh, and Barry One, you liked oh, a lot. The Murders at White House Farm. Oh, I absolutely loved it. I loved it. I loved thought he was brilliant as an actor, but until I found out he was a Celtic fan. <laughs> Scott, how are you? Yes, I'm very well. I'm very well. But the but the sensational news we should I mean we're we're, talk, we're talking about big transfers at the moment. Your your move, your signing for Glasgow Wellington. What, how did that come around? Oh, just um, I, I know Curtis uh, from school many 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 years ago. Uh, now and obviously saw what they were doing starting up, and I was obviously through the COVID nineteen kind of pandemic. The acting industry's um, is kind of dried up, so I've got a lot of time on my hands. And the kind of next few months, I was like, oh, I could maybe get committed into a, a team again. So I went down to some some of the training sessions, played a couple of friendlies, and they, they asked me to come and, you know, get involved and, and join the squad. So, you know, very grateful uh, to, to be picked, to be, to be asked to join the team. Scott, Ali here. Um, great to have you on, of course. We were talking about this yesterday before you came on to the show. Tell us a bit about why you went with Glasgow Wellington. What is it about them that they're doing right now that you think is quite exciting? Well, I just think, first and foremost, the, 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 their aim is, is about bringing fun back to football. And I think, actually, in terms of boys who, are, boys who love the game, everybody who plays amateur football, you know, they love football, but sometimes it's... You know, it's not the nicest of environments. It's not the you know, it's it's not an atmosphere that you're there just to go and have a good time and, and play football and be competitive and win games. So for me, it was kind of like there was there was that side of it, but also I just thought what the four guys, you know, led by Curtis and Scott Murphy, Ryan Watson, and stuff, what they were doing in terms of with the the strips, as I know you've talked about before, giving back to charity stuff with like the NHS and uh, Glasgow Children's Hospital and stuff like that. I just felt like it was a, a club with. You know, really good uh, ethics. You know, they've got a vision. They're kind of excited about the future and kind of shaking off the the old-fashioned view of like, you know, traditional amateur football, where it's like you just go and you go and go to the pub after the game and have a good few drinks. It's actually there's, there's something more behind it, and you know that was that was kind of exciting and something that I, you know, wanted to be a part of. And obviously, we'd like to win games. Yeah, well. we we Curtis on the show a few weeks back, and and he, I guess he was just talking about the just the difficulties, the hoops that have got to be dived through at the moment to actually even just get a game, um, finding finding opposition, playing a game, and everybody uh, Scott so desperate to do it. Yeah, I, I mean that that was the case. I mean we played at Tory Glen on Saturday there, and you know it's 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 extremely busy, you know. Lots of games happening, quick turnarounds, and guys. There's a real appetite uh, to to play football at the moment. I think, especially when the Scottish football was taken away from us in March, that you know the the drive to get back playing, you know, even at grassroots level, is really really there. I think also, you know, it's been 
guys aren't able to go and watch the games. You know, they're not allowed to go to Celtic Park, Ibrooks, or, you know, down at Love Street. And I think that, again, it's about filling the time because football at the moment, to me, the, the way the game's being played is maybe not as enjoyable as it was to watch 10 years ago. So actually go back and play and is, you know, a way to get that buzz that maybe you're missing on a Saturday or a Sunday or, or midweek and then feel like, you know, you can play the game in the right way or, or how you think it should be played. Sometimes you might think you're better than... I might think I'm better than what I am inside <laughs> those long balls and crosses, but you, you know what I mean. Scott, thinking about um, playing at the weekends and managing to try and fit that around your acting, all your acting followers will be thinking, please tell me you're not giving up acting. No, definitely not. It's just the way things are at the moment. It's, Acting's giving up you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think acting's... Well, society's kind of gave up on on people in the arts a little bit um you know it's an industry that's it's an industry that's suffering at the moment and you know theater venues are shop music venues comedy venues i think everybody's it's very hand to mouth at the moment and it's about you know just surviving so for me i'm fortunate i've got you know really good family support i've got you know things in place that I, i can kind of survive for the next you know five six months and get through and you know i thought I may as well, apart from getting fit, you know, work on my mental health as well. You know, aspire to be a part of a team, you know, and and that side of things is just as productive as necessarily, you know, working all the time. Um, I think you've got to have that really good counterbalance between like a a good working life and also like a good balance off stage or or, or off the camera. And, you know, football is a big love of mine. If I I was to stop acting today and somebody said you could go and play professional football, you know, I, I would have to think about it long and hard and I'd probably go and give it a shot you know Scott it's Barry here um, what, Hi Barry How are you doing? Um, what are you a silky mid- midfielder what's your position? Yeah kind of like uh, I, I grew up Are you agreeing with the silky bit there as well? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know I, I'm a centre midfield kind of sitting holding player and I grew up watching you know yourself Stylian Petrov Neil Lennon and then on to like guys like Scott Brown and you know it, for me that was always the the heartbeat of the team, you know, controlling the tempo, dictating the pace and trying to organise everybody around you. And, I mean, I try to do it. I try to do it to the best of my ability. And, you know, some of the boys on the team might say, it's, you know, I'm this not is sending. Good, this is you fancy a trial at Kelly? <laughs> well, actually, my brother-in-law started playing with his uh, big Matt and he was playing, he's about six foot three and he was playing Conference South down before he moved up when he met my sister. So if you need a centre-half, maybe you should come and watch us on Saturday because he's, he's a silky player, Big Matt. What time do you kick off? <laughs> I, think it's 10, I think it's 10 o'clock at Glasgow Green. Oh, I'm, listen, I might take a trip down to have a wee look. I like, I like the yeah. way, Scott, you mentioned you mentioned Barry and then listed about 12 Celtic players <laughs> that, you, that you modelled yourself on, just for diplomatic no, reasons. Can I just clearly. say, listen, White House Farm, how did you enjoy that? Honestly, I loved it. I loved it. Was that good? Oh, thanks very much. It was absolutely like, it, it was a dream job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was absolutely fascinating. Obviously, the story is extremely, it's a harrowing one. It's yep. really, you know, being in there, it, it, being in a similar house, built in the same way, seeing the kind of crime scenes, it was, it was it was hard to, you know, you felt like you were really there back in time in that house. But from like an acting perspective, you know, getting to work with guys like Mark Addy and, and Stephen Graham, you know, that's like a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Um to be able to like learn from these guys, these guys, you know, shows like, you know, Stephen Graham's thing, he's just incredible. And for me, it's, you know, you always want to work with people who are above you so you can learn from them and you can kind of, 
get better at your craft and and it was an absolutely brilliant job and I'm so glad it's 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 done really really well and it's just came out in America last I think it was on HBO Max last week so that's also another exciting thing for for me as well it's just opening up a different audience um so that's an, it's exciting when you're announced Scott and and then immediately people say method on Mick from still game do, do you groan at that point uh, no, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can. I think it shows that a character, like a character is affected. You know, somebody said to me today, it's became a part of like pop culture. It's a put down, you yeah. know, Methel Mick, you look like Methel Mick or you, you know, he sounds like Methel Mick. And actually that shows that the character landed and actually people have resonated with it in one way or another. So it, it is, it's a compliment and you try and take it as that in five years I might be saying something different if you know I've gone and try and be in all these other programmes and, and films and people still introduce me as Method on Mick I might start to grudge it yeah. Yeah. but just now just now you know it's I, I'm, it was an honour to be in Still Game and to work with you know um, the guys there in, in the show and they welcomed me in and it's been it, 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 you know, a lot of people would would bite your hand off for an opportunity like that, and I'm 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 just very lucky that uh, people took. I should, I should say, by the this is the Go Radio Football Show, and it's not Gogglebox or yeah, something you've not, done. No, going on about methadone, Mike. I, I didn't look at it that way. It was just his his teeth, and obviously, I've got a a, a good friend that's got his teeth all done, and that's what we call him. But we don't call him because he was methadone, Mike. It's because of the, obviously the, How nice the teeth. teeth are. They were, they were yeah, crackers. They teeth crackers. Yeah, they. They are, and actually, I got. Have you got them? Are they real? Yeah, no, I got some dental work done because they clip in. All oh, right. Uh, and actually, right. I got a back brace put in just before Christmas, and I, I can't actually put them on anymore. So <laughs> you can't be methadone Mick anymore. Yeah, they're sitting redundant in the house. <laughs> my girl, my girlfriend hates them. She absolutely hates them. She, uh, she when I, when I when I went to do the stage show last year, they sent me them to to make sure they still you know fitted in my mouth. And I walked into the living room wearing them and she was like, if you ever come in here wearing them again, I'm gone. Let's squeeze in so, some football chat, Scott, before, before you yeah. go. What about, the, what about the game tomorrow night, Sarajevo for Celtic? It's massive, isn't it, in all sorts of ways? Yeah, it is. I think what's been really difficult, is, as, as we've seen through all the qualifying campaigns in Europe, is the, is the one-leg match. It's a one-off, anything can happen. I think um, Celtic played Sarajevo last year or the year before last year Champions League qualifiers wasn't it yeah yeah so beat them 5-2 in aggregate 3-1 away from home so you know the boys will be confident that they can go there and, and do a job but again it's football you know if they're waiting to the 90th minute like last week that's the way it needs to be um, and I think also with Rangers I think they've got a really good opportunity against Galatasaray and I think Obviously, a packed Ibrox would would help them um, massively, but I, I do see both teams as favourites to to go through. Good to have you on the show. I wish you well Thanks in your me, yeah. in your burgeoning career with Glasgow Wellington. Hope He's that... off to training now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'll see you ten o'clock, Glasgow Green. <laughs> we'll be watching because yeah, yeah, yeah. you you've talked yourself up big time. So we're <laughs> we're going to be looking at your quality very very closely. It's Big Matt. You should be watching Big Big Matt. Drew. I'll be watching you closely. Don't you worry. <laughs> we'll, we'll check government guidelines first, though. Don't worry. Cheers, Scott. All Thanks the best. News at news at news at six on the way. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go.
I thought it was a new Go Radio TV review show there for a minute uh, in the last 20 or so as we chatted there with Scott Reid the, the TV actor Methadone Mick from Still Game he was in line you of loved duty it though. you've got a programme to watch <laughs> know, now so I'm, have I I know exactly that's uh, definitely on my list for, uh, for the murders near, at White House Farm the murder at White House Farm yeah that sounds good um, so good chat with Scott Reid speaking earlier with Stuart Lovell as well all that football coming up Sarajevo against Celtic tomorrow Rangers Galatasaray both looking to reach the group stages of the Europa League Friday night football 7.45 Aberdeen St Mirren Dundee United Livingston Hibs and Hamilton Kilmarnock and Motherwell and Sunday for St Johnston Celtic and Rangers Ross Kenty Get in touch with us, Ali. Absolutely. If you haven't uh, given us a buzz, please do. 0808 17 17 700. And if you have, you'll probably be on the lines already. You must have loved it. We definitely love hearing from you. Maybe you've got a point you want to mention to any of the team. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what? I just want to have a wee chat. Get involved. Uh, 87474 for your text. Put go at the start of your message. Normal network rates. Or jump on those socials at Go Football Show. We're available on all of them. Elvis is in the building. Let's talk to the former Rangers Celtic Dundee United Hearts and Scotland defender Stephen Presley. Hi, Stephen. How are you, Rob? You okay? Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good, yes. ma- good man. Good. Last time you were on the show, you were you were talking about you, how much the the transfer window would influence the the title race in Scotland and I guess nothing that's happened since um, has probably swayed you from that view and we're maybe going to have an interesting few days between now and Monday when it, it finally closes to see uh, yeah. who's in and who's out Exactly, you know I've seen comments from Stephen Gerrard today regarding uh, bringing in a further midfield player and he's, he's obviously said that could be very much dependent on progress to the Euro, Europa League group stages and Neil, obviously, is um, is trying desperately to get in a, a left-sided player by the looks of things. You know, he's been heavily linked with Sessegnon. Yeah, that, that from, would, the Celtic fans uh, would be excited about that one if it happened, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think so. And and, and the real thing with Sessegnon is this, that I, I've watched quite a lot of him. I don't see him as a natural left-back. I see him as a natural left-wing-back, to be honest with you, which very much suits what Neil's trying to create there, you know, with his preferred system being the three at the back and either the three five two, or whether, you know, he, he changes that to possibly three four three. Because again, just now with Forrest out, I think the three five two there's a better balance to the system there. With Taylor, who I think is quite natural as a, a wing back, and obviously Frimpong on the right hand side. I think that James Forrest gives them a little bit of a conundrum there because I don't think he naturally plays the wing-back position. So it'll be interesting to see over time whether he persists with 3-5-2 or whether when Forrest returns, you maybe adapts to a 3-4-3. But definitely it looks like three at the back is his preferred system. How how are you viewing from the outside what's happening with Odds and Edouard at the moment? Are we all reading too much into it, looking at his body language, looking at when he starts, when he's out, how interested he is and all the rest of it? Uh, do you think he will still be a Celtic player come Monday? I'm sure that Neil's hoping that will be the case because um, when you're a manager, you want the best players. That's the reality of it. I understand from behind there's often decisions made because of financial reasons, but the reality is, as a manager, you want the best players. So I'm sure Neil will 
hoping that nothing really develops over the next two or three days. The thing is that, uh, you know, I've spoke about this, I think, the last time in terms of that the English Premier League actually closed their window early last year because of what the likes of Stephen Gerrard has been faced with, with Morales, and also what Neil has been faced with, um, with not only the striker, but several of his other players, you know, real uncertainty about their futures. And that's a difficult aspect to manage. I'm sure that, you know, both managers will be keen for the next couple of days to speed up and to really understand and know what their squad is moving forward. Yeah, because, I mean, Rangers, I, I guess Rangers fans at the moment are sweating. As Celtic fans worry a bit about Odson Edouard and think, well, of course we're going to keep him for this oh-so-important season. But then Barry and I were just speaking earlier on in the show. What if a bid of 35 or 40 million comes in? What then in these tough financial times? What, what happens at that stage? And Rangers are maybe thinking uh, uh, on the same subject. Rangers are, are worrying a little about whether Leeds might come back in for Ryan Kent. And there's, there's talk today about West Ham being interested in James Tavernier, who's been on terrific form. Yeah. You know, I, I think that um, the one positive thing for both clubs is they've got saleable assets, and that's that's a, a real positive. That shows you that over the period that they have recruited well and they are developing their players, which is which is great for both clubs and for Scottish football. But I think that, you know, if, if, um, if something develops over the next two or three days on the players that you've talked about. I don't see any, to be honest with you, leaving Rangers. That's the truth. But if I'm Neil, you know, and uh, it develops the way it possibly could with Eduardo over the next couple of days, I only want him moving out if I've got the right players coming in. Because you know, as well as I do and everybody else does, what's at stake this season. And it's enormous for both clubs. So make no mistake, they know that within the clubs and I don't think there'll be any drastic changes between now and the close of the window. Elvis, it's Barry here. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Barry. How are you? Aye, I'm good. I'm good. Um, just interested to hear your thoughts. Obviously, the, the Scotland squad getting announced yesterday. Yeah. What's your, your thoughts on young Ryan Porteous at Hibernian? I actually like him. I, I mm. do. He's a player that I've tracked for some time. It's obviously very early, Baz, in his, in his development. You know, it's it's... I, I touched on this subject the last time in terms of that we're not really in this country producing many top centre-backs. I went back to the likes of Willie Miller and Alex McLeish as the last real ones that we produced. Mm-hmm. So it shows that we don't have a lot of depth when a young player that's probably come in and played a handful of games already finds himself in the, the national team squad. Mm-hmm. But I do like them. And I like... Um, you know, I, I know there was a, a a little bit of a uh, uh, conflict with him and, and Steve Gerrard and several other players, but I don't mind that. Yeah, you know, I agree with like, you. I agree yeah, with you. He's got a bit of edge about him, hasn't he? I was going to say, and one of the things I always think about football and football players is that you should never judge them on the field of play. Mm-hmm. Me and Barry didn't get on particularly well in the field of play, but... <laughs> which is understandable. But if you look at Scott Brown, Scott Brown's somebody that I really like away from football, but on the pitch, he's not a very likeable character. Roy Keane, all of these types of players, they had that switch. Baz, you had that switch. Yep, had El- arrogance Elvis, that's what I've been saying for a, a number of years now. That's what's missing, I think, now, no, in younger players coming through. 
I agree. That edge, that little bit yep. of... Bit of attitude. Attitude, that's the exact word, Rob. You know, the little bit of attitude. And I like that in a player. It doesn't mean that that's the character away from the pitch. He could be a, a really lovely lad, but when he gets on that pitch, he flicks that switch and he's got that winning mindset. And I think that that's really important. And he's got that. I like that about the kid. So, you know, another thing that I do like about him, and it's the same with... Um, with McKenna, I think McKenna can develop more as an all-round player. But the one thing that I always look for in good young defenders is the basics of football, not whether they can pass it. You know, you can work hard on them in terms of developing their passing, but they've got to want to defend. Mm-hmm. That's that's a quality that you can't build into players. They've got to have that mentality where they want to defend. And then young McKenna and in Porteous, I think they both have that. I think they both have a defensive mindset. So I think that the, him, along with the Ken, have really good raw, raw attributes. Elvis, see with, see with defenders now, young defenders yes. coming through, do you not think like too many want to play? Look, great, I think it's a bonus if a young defender yes. wants to play, but I'm, I'm with you. See now, defend first yes. and foremost. Learn how to win a ball in air. Defend on the ground. A million percent. And I think both, both of those guys, Stephen, are probably in that category as well, aren't they? I mean, I mean, yep. Scott McKenna is a defender who defends. You don't really see him trying to play World Cup passes, and and maybe and and maybe Ryan Porteous has been taught now that that same way that the, the most important basic about it all is doing your defending. When I watch Ryan Porteous, I think it looks to me if he loves defending first and foremost. He likes a, loves a tackle, yeah, doesn't the, he? The boy can play, Absolutely. but he loves heading the ball. He loves doing the basics. Correctly, and that's what I think is missing nowadays. A million percent. Listen, see, when I watch football, we all understand that the tactical elements are important, but they're irrelevant if your players can't do the basics. Yep. I watched Fulham the other day, um, and I watched their game, and in terms of their tactical detail, their shape, their understanding of their jobs and responsibilities, they were good. But see, when it came to their defenders having to defend the basic principles of football, they couldn't do it. So see the tactical elements that are relevant if your defenders can't do the basics. So the basics are really important. When I was young, I keep going back to this, but Billy Kirkwood, Archie Knox, they had me out every afternoon heading balls, heading balls, heading balls. And that's what it takes. When I was, when I was Carlisle manager and we had a great young talent, and Branthwaite, who's already played seven or eight games now at Everton, coming through, every session after training, heading, afternoons, the basics, heading, clearing, one-to-one defending, the absolute basics of your job, and they're getting neglected because coaches always just want to talk about the tactic, but the tactics are relevant without the basic, and I mean that. Yeah, I agree. And that's why, in these two young players, like you've said, Baz, they want to defend they really do. They want to defend. Well, which how, is a good thing. how good a chance is that young boy you had at Carlisle? Obviously, Everton paid a million pounds for him. So you get a real chance of going to the top. I do, but I honestly think, I honestly think you can play for England because at six foot four, he is really quick. He is aggressive with his head for an eighteen-year-old. He'll get a lot better at that, but aggressive. And on top of those attributes, which I always 
say that I look for. He's an incredible football player with either either foot too. Either foot. He's got everything. And, you know, we're talking one year ago, he was playing in our second string team, pushing. And within one year, he played 14 or 15 times for me. And then he's gone to Everton and already played in the Premier League. So, you know, he's got a real chance, a real chance. It's, it's, uh, it's exciting. And he's a great kid as well, which is the main thing. Stephen, it's Ali here. I was just having a, a look through. Hiya, Neil Lennon and Stephen Gerrard signing over the, the transfer window yes. so far. I mean, who kind of stands out for you? Well, it's, it's interesting. When I look at it, and, and the Rangers fans really haven't been fortunate enough to see um, Roof a great deal in the, in the red, white and blue. They really they haven't. But he's a player that I've followed his career for some time because when I was Coventry manager... You know, West Brom being a, a close-by club, we used to watch some of their 23s games. And Roof was a player that was coming through there. And I watched him on a number of times, and I really liked him. I was going to try and sign him on loan, but I just couldn't do it. But I've, I've watched and monitored his career because he was a player that I liked. And he's, he's continuously improved, continuously progressed. And he's a player that can play right across the front three. And he's not only just a good player, he's a brilliant team player. So I think he's going to be a really influential player for them. You know, and I, I also have been impressed with Balogun since he came in. I know he, he, he's not played in recent weeks because of injury, but... He looked great at the start, didn't he, when he first stepped in? Yeah, yeah he's impressed me as well. So I, I think I, I, I'm still, you know, to be convinced with the likes of Itton, but I think he's a very good a player within your group that can impact um, certain games. I'm not sure he's a player that will play every week. Um, and Hadji, I think that Hadji's an interesting player. I think Hadji's a home player. I think Hadji's a player that when you have all the ball and you're at Ibrox and you're trying to break teams down, I think that he's the type of player that can give you the moment. But I'm not convinced he's a player, for example, tomorrow night when they play Galatasaray, that he's a starter for me. I would consider the likes of Jones in this types of game because I think you need greater legs against Galatasaray. You might not have as much ball as you normally do and you might be asked to defend and counter more and I think the likes of Jones can give you that. So... I think he's a good signing in the respect of that he can give you that option when you're playing at home and things are very tight. So it's a good balance there. Um, with, with regards, Celtic. What do you think of I'm Shane so, Duffy from Everton? Yes, I, I like Duffy. I really do. I think when you talk about the basics of the game and you talk about wanting to defend, he certainly ticks all those boxes. And also, he's a leader. He's a leader. He's an influencer. So I think that that's a really good signing. Um, I'll, be I mean, an, I'll be an Ayeti, Stephen. I mean, he's, he's made a big well, impact, I, hasn't he? I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. Ayeti, I think he's made a good impact. But I'm still to be convinced on him. Really? I've seen, I've seen a little bit of him at West Ham. Um, I, I obviously have watched various bits of, about him and spoke to various people on him. 
you know, he's not really got one outstanding attribute. And that doesn't mean that you're not a great goal scorer. But time will tell. He might prove to be a really good goal scorer. And if he is that, then it's a great signing. But on the other aspects, I'm not convinced he's got a real outstanding quality. But, um, and I think the left side, you know, I, I like Taylor. I think he's a good player. But I think that the likes of Cessignon coming in would give them a, you know, a, a new dimension. So it's going to be interesting. I look as well, you know, I was asked questions on Scotty Brown. And Baz, you know, whether or not he was past his best. And I said this, I said this to them, uh, to, it was actually another uh, radio station. That do you speak I to knew, other radio stations? I, I, do, <laughs> I was saying, no, and Scotty Brown, I was saying that, you know, if I knew then what I knew now, I would train harder than I ever did at 34, 35. Mm -hmm. Because people think you should, you know, cut back. Yes, you need to rest at the appropriate times, but I think you need to train harder and play harder than you ever did before. And I think that if you do that, you can actually have some of your real best years in your twilight years. So it'll be interesting. But I think as well, at the weekend, they played with McGregor, and Christie and Brown, I think that that three is quite a good balance because you've got Brown as a six, you've got McGregor as a six-eight, and then you've got Christie who can play the ten. So I, I think that the balance was there. When I looked at Celtic's side at the weekend, and I heard Newell saying actually that it was the best performance of the season, I can see that because the side looks to have a better balance to it and players playing in the correct positions than it had, in my opinion, in previous games. Elvis, what are you doing in terms of management? You're looking to get back in at any stage? I am, Baz. I am. I, I, listen, you know, I, people don't understand what it's like at times being a manager when you're out of the game. Football management's like a drug. You miss the pressures. You miss the process. You miss all of those aspects. And when you're away from it, nothing replicates that. It's really mm -hmm. tough. That's why I play a lot of golf and I'm, I'm actually down at my playing weight because I run a lot and I... I've tried to, to look after myself. I've also enrolled in a LMA diploma down here. So I've been doing uh, various things with that. I had to complete a 1,500-word essay. Oof. On <laughs> yeah, Listen, I hadn't done anything like this since I was at school, and it's it's really good for me. It's, uh, it's really educational for me. Um, and that's, been, that's also been good for me. But I really want to get back in. The truth is that... I want to go in at the right club. But also, I love to coach, Baz. I really love to coach. So, you know, I would go in somewhere as a coach. I'd go in somewhere in the B team. My my assistant, who's always been my assistant, is in at Brentford B now as the, yep. the, the head coach there. He loves it there. You know, and if, if to go in somewhere like that. But no, I, I, I want to manage again. There's no doubt about it. But... If I went back in another role before that, no problem. Mm. You know, very open-minded. No bothered about what level, or you want to stay at a certain level, or, or stay in Britain. Or I, I know you were across in Cyprus with Big Reedy. You yeah. took Reedy across there. Yeah, the big man. He's yeah. some man. <laughs> well, he is that. He is that, and he's, he's obviously Albie Rovers now. He's he's fine. If I, I I would want to go in at the right level because. You, you know, the truth is, at times, you know, people don't appreciate what you do. When I was at Carlisle, we didn't have an analyst at the time. We didn't, and I am big on the detail. So 
I had to prepare all the analytical aspects for the players, presentations for the players, all of these things. I'm up until one, two o'clock in the morning doing that. Now, it affects you. You're never as fresh as you were. You need that. You know, the, mm-hmm. the guys at the top level get support in all of those areas. And it's tough. Even recruitment, absolutely no support in recruitment. So not only are you analysing your own team's performance, you haven't a- analysed the players that you're signing. You know, it's, it's, it, it was so tough in terms of time and, and it's never appreciated. Yeah. When you go out there on a Saturday, it's never appreciated your work. So I do want to go somewhere where I have the resource to work the way I want to work. That, that's not an arrogance, Baz, but it's just I, I, I work a certain way and, and I, I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. But that might be at a level where it's an under-23s coach, it might be a B coach, it might be... I don't know what, but I just want to go somewhere where I actually can work the way I really love to work. That, I've even got an analysis that uh, Kelty. That's what I mean. <laughs> I know. I mean it does look. I done it myself last year, and it, it takes a lot of time up, even at oh. part time level, but. It helps when you've got these sort of people running about you. Anyway, have you got that fifteen hundred word dissertation completed yet? <laughs> I have. Well done. I have. Let me tell you, Rob. It was. It's meant to be done on the twenty eighth October, and right. I got it done. You got it um, done already? Yes. What a man! Done already. Brilliant. Done already. Sent what? for a sent for a, an opinion by the lady <laughs> before it. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen. Until you get a job, you're always welcome in this show for 15, 20 minutes, a bit of football chat. No, we love I'm it. Sorry. I've rambled. I've rambled. No, no, we love it. Uh, You've been uh, brilliant, Stephen. Anytime. Anytime uh, you want to get something off your chest, just give us a call. <laughs> We're always available to you. <laughs> football helpline. Good talking to you. And you lot out there too on 08 08 Cheers, 17 17 700. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Another great couple of hours of football chat. We do it every night, you know, 5 till 7, Monday to Friday on Glasgow's own Go Radio. Two weeks on Saturday, Celtic against Rangers, 12.30 kickoff. It is getting close, but lots to think about for those two between now and then. Uh, And the women's football kicks off the day after. Well, exactly. It's going to be a busy little spell, that. And tomorrow night, it's Sarajevo against Celtic in the Europa League playoff round, and it's Rangers against Galatasaray. And we're going to hear a bit more in the next little bit from Stephen Gerrard and from Neil Lennon looking ahead to both those games. Let's start with Celtic. We've heard from Neil Lennon already in the programme about uh, the window closing on Monday. He can't wait. He wants all that transfer talk to stop right here. But what about injuries? Well, yeah, he yeah, won't travel. He's not fit and not available. Neither is um, James. You know, we're hoping Albion will be fit for the Rangers game in a, a few weeks' time. James, he's going to be a bit longer, but we haven't got a, a certified length of time on that yet. Chris Julian, he's fit. He's back in the squad. So Neil Lennon is clearly starting to think about that old firm game. He's talking about it already. Mm-hmm. He's wondering who he's got for that. And it sounds like very much like, well, James Forrest won't be playing in that game. So he's clearly out for a spell. Uh, yet he's going to, going to be back, he thinks, for the Rangers game. Uh, but he won't be available to Celtic in uh, Sarajevo tomorrow night. Yeah, two um, really important players for me. Um, but I still look at the, the Celtic squad, obviously. Julian's back in after injury I still think 
Celtic will be too strong Rob if I'm being honest with you um, they've still got enough quality it's going to be difficult listen any European away game is always difficult you seen it last last week with Celtic travelling away but listen they'll take one nothing again it's just about getting into that group stage what about squad rotation? I mean, that's something that's spoken about quite a lot. He's been doing a fair bit of chopping and changing in the last six weeks or so, Neil Lennon. What's his reaction to that? Everything's different this season. You know, and I don't normally make as, as you know, maybe three to four changes in a game. It's just balancing the, the depth of the squad, getting players game time because they've had a long layoff, keeping them motivated, keeping them incentivized, and that's what we've endeavoured to do. You know, things again will settle down domestically after the window. You know, we'll have a full idea of what our squad is and we'll use that to the best that we can. So, some interesting vocabulary there from Neil Lennon, talking about keeping the players motivated and incentivised. Yeah, he's wanting to create a competition for places. That, that's why you always have a, a big squad and a squad full of quality, and that's certainly what he's got. He'll just be desperate for next Monday to pass by, so he's kept all the players. And yeah, then, but, but, but do they need to be incentivised and motivated? Surely being at Celtic, that's built in, isn't it? Yeah, if you play like a club like, like Celtic, you've got to be motivated. Um, maybe that's just a warning to a couple of players, Rob. You, you never know um, but you look at your squad there's real competition and that, that's what you want like um, you're in four competitions um, this season and you need a big squad and you need everybody fighting for their places and that's what he'll want So do you get what he's doing? Do you understand yep. that, that squad rotation that, that's happening yep. at the moment? You took the words out of my mouth Ali that, that's what he's Sorry, playing. He's playing he's playing a game that's what managers do and he's letting people know that they're not guaranteed a place in his team. You've got to perform on a Saturday or a Thursday, the now being in Europe, um, to make sure you're in Neil Lennon's starting 11. What about Sarajevo? What sort of hurdle are they for Celtic to overcome? Yeah, I mean, they're in good form. You know, they've won the last four games. They're a big physical team, well-organised, set players, and you know they've got a bit of pace in, in the wider areas. So we know it's going to be a difficult game. You know, just as much as Riga was last week. You know, Riga gave everything. We imagine Sarajevo will do the same, and we have to, you know, match that intensity if they bring it and bring our own intensity to the game because the game oh, means yes. means as much to us as anybody else really for a season. It was a late winner, wasn't it, from uh, Moya Lianusi, um against Riga and you get the feeling it is quite similar in that sort of respect that it's really about what Celtic do. They should be good enough to beat Sarajevo but they have to deliver, they have to be up to speed. Yeah, it'll be like a cup final for Sarajevo. There's no doubt about it. So Celtic have got to go out with the mindset is you've got to outwork whoever you're playing against and if Celtic do that, their quality will always shine through, Rob. It's that 10 in a row season for Celtic, they hope. But where does Europe come in the list of priorities? Look, Europe's important to Celtic every year, I mean, no matter what the stakes are domestically. So, you know, we've given it, you know, every, we're prepared well for it, we're ready to go. And, you know, we uh, will approach the game with real intent to win it and uh, look forward to going through, hopefully, and then see what, you know, the group brings. But we're going to have to play well, we're going to have to play strong, play disciplined. But I think it's important that we have European football. It's about switching on and switching off, isn't it? Right now, it's all about getting to the group stages of the Europa League and, and the finances that that can bring to Celtic, not just in the, in the prize money, but also, I guess, in things like perimeter advertising and sponsorship. Those will probably be ramped up based on 
you know how far you get in the European competitions, how much exposure there, exposure there is for advertisers, all that sort of stuff for Celtic. Um, but it's but it's that against uh, ten in a row, which is obviously what Celtic are have in their in their sights. Is it difficult jumping back and forth between those two targets, Barry? No, I, I think both. Old firm teams should always look to qualify for the group stages. Uh, if it's not Champions League, certainly Europa League. Um, but your bread and butter is the league. There's no doubt about it. Celtic will be desperate to get 10 in a row and Rangers will be desperate to stop 10 in a row. Um, that That's the way it is. But when you play at a big, a big club, Rob, you know you're going to be involved in European football. You know you're going to play three games a week. You've got to have a certain mindset to to get through the the sort of games. Um, even if you're travelling away four hours in a plane, uh, there's no excuses coming back at the weekend and not getting a, the the right result. So Sarajevo against Celtic, that's at seven just as we're coming off air tomorrow. 45 minutes later, Ibrox Rangers against Galatasaray. We heard about Neil. We heard from Neil Lennon about the injuries he has going into that one. What about Rangers? Joe and Kamar will be with us tomorrow. Ryan Jack was back in full training yesterday. Uh, we managed that session, but he'll train fully this morning. He's had no reaction. Uh, Brandon Barker, the same. Uh, he trained yesterday for the first time as well. No reaction as well, so they'll both be with us this morning. Cedric Hitton uh, had a bit of an issue yesterday in training with his knee that we're going to check out today, um, but he's a major doubt for tomorrow. Well, the good news in there is that Ryan Jack is back, not just training, but full training, it seems, which explains why Stevie Clark named him in the Scotland squad yesterday with those three internationals coming up. But from a Rangers point of view, he's absolutely crucial, isn't he, in the next few weeks? Do you, do you imagine he'll go straight in tomorrow night, Barry? He's certainly a key, a key player, Rob, but I think the Rangers midfield the last two games um, have produced very good performances but he is a key player there's no doubt Ryan Jack's come on leaps and bounds um, he's been a a big player for Steven Gerrard and if, a, if he's fit and ready to go I'm more than positive the manager would play him Brandon Barker available again as well and before he got injured he was doing some good things for Rangers and, and it could be interesting couldn't it they've got they've, they've added Jordan Jones to the armoury in the last week with his performance at, at mm. the weekend um, Brandon Barker back in again just gives them a, another option up there Yeah well Barker and Jones were, were two players probably during the summer you would have thought wouldn't be Rangers players um, but you've got to give them credit they've obviously went away and worked hard certainly showing the manager that they're more than capable of pulling the Rangers jersey on Barker did impress me there's no doubt about it and I think Jones in Sunday against Motherwell shown that he's got the, the ability and temperament to be a Rangers player and here's another one who's coming back in from the, the fringes of the first team scene in the last few weeks and how impressive has he been Scott Arfield the main player who I'd like to mention it has to be Scott Arfield because you know at the beginning of the season he wasn't picked as a starter but at no given moment did he drop his standards or his attitude he took it as a challenge to, to win his place back he trained harder he trained better and his opportunity came and he's arguably arguably been our most consistent player so really pleased how Scott's gone about his business and he's sent a clear message to anyone else that's on the fringe or not getting much game time at the moment he was Steven Gerrard's first signing when he became Rangers manager. Um, he has been slightly out in the wilderness at the start of this season, but he's come back in. And, well, we've been raving about him in the last couple of weeks, Barry, haven't we? Yep, he's grabbed his opportunity with both hands and I've got to agree with 
Stephen Gerrard said there he, he's been one of Rangers' top performers the last couple of weeks. He, he brings something different, Rob. He's, he's, um, he'll no go and dictate a game, but what he'll do is he, he'll make great runs into the box and he's he's always going to score a goal, um, Scotty Arfield. Um, so, look, he was out in the wilderness. He was struggling to get in the starting 11. Again, it's a, a great example. The other players who are not in the team, he's been away, worked even harder in training. And he's got his opportunity And as I said He's been excellent The last couple of weeks And it's amazing How the depth of the squad And your perception of it Can suddenly change When you get the likes of Barker coming back Jones coming in Arfield doing so well On top of what you already had Yeah I mean I've mentioned that A few times Rob On the show I think this is the strongest Rangers squad That the managers had There's real competition For places If Somebody gets an injury Or they're missing Through suspension these guys that are coming in are taking their opportunity and that's what you want um, so there's again similar to what I mentioned with Celtic there's 18-20 players that are fighting to get in that starting 11 and that's what you need if you want to be a successful team So what about Galatasaray at Ibrox tomorrow night the 22 times Turkish champions Look the Galatasaray are a good team they've got fantastic players and a good coach um, Galatasaray you know are a a well-known team, big experience on the European stage. Uh, they've got a fantastic players, a really strong spine to the team. You know, we we know it's going to be a tough test for us. You know, Galatasaray probably everyone's favourite, but you know we're going into this fixture in a good place. Uh, you know, we're in good form at home, so our plan is to leave everything out there and see how, see where it takes us. Well, they are in a good place, aren't they? Five goals at Motherwell at the weekend, and those four in the Netherlands against Willem Twe last Thursday night. Yep, they're in a good place. There's no doubt about it. Confidence is high. And look, the, the manager's playing a bit of mind games there. He, he'll yeah. be confident within that, that dressing room that the, the way that the, his team's performing um, on the pitch that they'll have every chance of beating Galatasaray. I fully expect Rangers to do it. Look, they have got good players. Um, they are a good team. But the way that Rangers are, are going about their business just now, I think Rangers will, will come through the, the, the tie and go into the group stage. Good luck to Rangers and Celtic tomorrow night. After the break, we're going to be talking about Scotland and looking ahead to that big game against Israel two weeks tomorrow. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Talk Scotland for the next 10, uh, 15 minutes. Stevie Clark named the squad yesterday for those upcoming matches. Scotland-Israel is obviously the big one. It's massive, isn't it? Two weeks tomorrow, 7.45 at Hamden, Scotland against Israel, a playoff semi-final and uh, let's hope we're thinking about whether it's Norway or Serbia in the final that is uh, in November uh, because the two games following uh, Scotland-Israel are two Nations League qualifiers. Confused? Yes, I am too. Uh, Scotland-Slovakia uh, on the Sunday after that Israel game and then the following Wednesday it is uh, the Czech Republic at the National Stadium as well. Scotland having somehow and beating them uh, in the corresponding game a few weeks back. So Barry, looking at that squad, and firstly, what what did you make of it? Any surprises? Any any players in that you wouldn't have had in, or players out that you would have included? Um, no, no. Listen, I, I, again, I look at the squad, and I'm I'm pretty confident that that will be strong enough to to beat Israel. Um, Ryan Portis, who we spoke to to Big Elvis about, who I've watched. Um, three or four times this season has always um, stood out for me I think he deserves his opportunity Do you think he'll play? I think he'll play I do I, I have, you, re- have you picked him in your team? Yeah I've picked him in my team I, I really think this boy if he keeps 
grounded and level-headed, which I'm sure Jack Ross will, will make sure of. I think we've got an international centre-back in the making. There's no doubt in my mind about that. We've got Gordon from Tartan Scarf on the line. Gordon, how are you doing? Hi, Rob, Barry. Good, thanks. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Would uh, would Ryan Porteous be in your starting lineup, Gordon? Um, I think that might be, for the playoff game, maybe a step too far. But you've got to bear in mind, this is a, a Scotland triple header, which I, I don't think we've ever had before. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Porteous get minutes in the second or third games next week. And what do you think about the squad? Are you happy with it? Are you feeling confident going into this game? Um, I feel good. I would like... To, I'm, I'm doing as much as I can just to sort of wash that last game against Israel out of my memory because I feel like a lot has changed in the last month. You know, our players based in England had barely kicked a ball. They barely started pre-season last time. I think we will be a different proposition this time. I think the return of Ryan Fraser is actually quite important. Um, I was looking back at his stats today and he's quite quietly had quite an impressive Scotland career. You know, he's only got 11 caps but he's got one goal, he's got seven assists. And for my memory, I think Andy Robertson's played some of his best football for Scotland when he's been able to link up with Ryan Fraser on that left wing. So that's what I'd like to see more of. Barry, Ryan Fraser, does, yeah. he, does he do it for you? Yeah, he's listen, he was always a standout at Bournemouth. He was one of Bournemouth's uh, main performers. Yeah, um, and, and, I mean, and it's a great move from Rob to Newcastle. Um, I know he's been on the bench a couple of times, but again... It's going to take him a wee bit of time to get up to, to speed. Um, he's not had a full pre-season, but it's good to see him in. I think um, he he brings something different. He's pacey, pacey sorry. He's really direct. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm glad to see him back in the squad. And he's probably a player with something to prove at the moment. Uh, Gordon was mentioning his stats with Scotland, but his stats with Bournemouth were, as you, were, were absolutely mm. outstanding. I mean, there were maybe David Silva was ahead of him in terms of assists in the Premier League, but, but he wasn't far behind. Yeah, that's why he had a lot of suitors after him. It was um, Arsenal, Crystal Palace, quite a number of clubs were, were really keen on taking him there. Um, I think Newcastle will be a good fit for him. Um, Obviously, he knows a couple of players there as well. Um, but look, he's a he's a player that I've always kept a keen interest on. You always want to see how young boys um, from Scotland go down to England, and he's he's come up from the the Championship with Bournemouth, and he's he's played in the the Premier League the last um, three years. So, no, it's great to see him back in the squad. As I said, I think he can be a big player for for Scotland in the future. Any chance, Gordon, of this next game against Israel being a, a little bit less twitchy than the the last two games have been? Well, come on. I mean, I, I think <laughs> I, I think Barry's got enough experience for Scotland to know that it's never easy. It's never it's never simple. Even if you're two 0 up with five to go, they'll still be the nerves for sure. Okay, Barry, let's let's start on your team. I'm I'm, a, I'm assuming it's David Marshall in goals. That will, that wouldn't be a a tough decision yeah, but for I, you, would it? It's going to be a surprise for a lot of people. This this team that. I, I pick, but, but I, I not, actually look at the squad, Robin. You know what I've, I've been like with with the Scotland squad and the, the players that we've got. I, I do think we're going to click at some stage. I'm are excited about them. I think we've got a lot of real good players. I think we've got the right manager in charge now as well. Um, a lot of people go in terms of he's, he's defensively minded, um, but I like Stevie Clark. You talk to to guys that he's been coached under, and they, they rave about him. Yeah, and, and, who, and, players, who, and who was the last successful Scotland manager who took us to the finals? He was defensively minded. Yep, Craig Great. Brown. Yeah. Yep, yep. So no, David Marshall for me. Um, I'll start in goals. And a back three. Yeah, I'm going to go with a back three. Um, Liam Cooper, McKenna, and Portis. McKenna and Portis. So you're going to think Robo and Tierney. Mm-hmm. 
you're going to go both wing backs for me. So right right wing back for Kieran Tierney. Yep. Which I disagreed with a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you but I'm trying to get here? as many good players in in the team. Listen, Israel, no disrespect to them, that they were decent, but we've got to have our best players on the pitch and go for them. And is that influenced influenced by the fact that uh, James Forrest isn't available yep. for that right wing back role? Yep. And I know we've just spoke about Ryan Fraser, but I don't think Ryan Fraser is a hundred percent match fit yet. And is he? Can he play wing back? Could he be a, a wing back if he, if he was match fit, or or does he have the defensive qualities, or is he is he somebody who who's really not going yeah, to do the job in that area? I think Ryan Fraser's used to have a full back behind him um, to do that 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 dirty side. It's not that Ryan Fraser wouldn't do it. I mean, he's a hard working boy. There's no doubt about that. But I just think Kieran Tierney and. Andy Robertson you've got to get them both in the team I know Cairns played right hand side under Gordon Strachan before right back um, so I've got to put the two of them in because they're two players that I rate very highly I would rather have them on the left side but I don't think it's going to going to work that way Gordon from Tartan Scarf uh, Kieran Tierney right wing back going to disagree with me <laughs> <laughs> it's fine what do you think? I Look, I, I I think that would be incredibly unfortunate for, for Liam Palmer, for me, because I think mm-hmm. if you look at the two games last month, the second game, Palmer came in at right back and he slotted in perfectly. He clicked really well. Getting forward, he was very impressive. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I, I think, I think I'd feel hard done by for, for Liam Palmer to not include him. But, right you, you've got, but you've got to get Kieran Tierney in the team. Do you agree? Absolutely. Um, but I think... If you're playing three at the back, I think you'd play Kieran Tierney left side of a three because that's where he has often played with his with Arsenal. Could could you play Porteous, McKenna, and Tierney Barry as your back three? Is that workable? Yeah, you could. But Liam, Liam Cooper's captain of Leeds. Mm-hmm. They've had a fantastic start to the Premier League season. Um, I watched them. I've actually watched them a couple of times. Um, Liam Cooper's a proper leader. Um, he's not been given much an opportunity. He's not played too much, but. That back three for me is a real physical presence, proper defenders, um, and that allows the the midfield that I'm going to pick in the forwards to go and to go and win the game. Just one more question on your on your back five, then, if we if we refer to it as that, does it does that do it for Andy Robertson, left wing back? That does does that work for him because of where he his starting position is in a back four for Liverpool? Um, but he, he basically plays as a a winger. He's playing with top quality players I totally get that um, He's not played his best football for for Scotland But listen, he's a top quality operator Andy Robertson Midfield? My midfield is Callum McGregor I, I, like the, I like the fact you're building in a wee pause here Just building up the tension Good, <laughs> good Callum McGregor, John McGinn and Ryan Christie So let me know, your, give me your thinking behind that My thinking behind it is they're the guys that are um, I'm going to pick and I think <laughs> all right, all are right. the best I was looking for a wee bit more detail to be honest but, so McGinn, McGregor and look Christy. Callum McGregor for me we've had plenty of chat about this over the last three or four weeks um, I think the last couple of weeks with Celtic he's um, starting to to show that he's a, a, a proper leader in dictating games um, Callum I think he's got everything a, center, a central midfielder should have John McGinn for me no explanation needed no he, he's got to play John McGinn um, you've seen him he set up a couple yeah. of goals yeah. for Aston Villa playing at the top of his game and Ryan Christie for me is probably the most improved Scottish player in the last couple of years so no Ryan Jack no he's not fat enough 
Okay, that's the, the cop out on that one. Um, <laughs> Kenny McLean's done well for, for Scotland. Yeah, listen, it's an area of a very strong. Stuart Armstrong's another one who, again, plays week in, week out for Southampton. Um, so look, we've, we've got real strength and depth in, in the midfield area, McTominay as well. Um, but listen, you can only pick three if you're going with a 5 3 2. What do you or mean? Or a 3 5 2. <laughs> exactly. What Gordon, if Stephen does that this week or next week, what would you say? Would you be happy with uh, Barry's team? Um, I, th- I, th- I think I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to agreeing with Barry in certain <laughs> ways. Um, I, th- I think on the, on the point of Andy Robertson earlier, I think irregardless of what position he's starting in, I think the most important thing to get the best out of him is who he links up with higher up the pitch. Because what he does so well with Liverpool is that he links with Sadio Mane. Now, obviously, we don't have a Sadio Mane, but you need a player to sort of, for Robertson to be able to play those balls off, to make runs behind, to cut inside, underlap, overlap, etc., for me, that I think that could be Stuart Armstrong. I think they could have a, they could have a good connection there if it's not going to be Ryan Fraser. Um, but no, I, I, can, I, can, I can see where Barry's coming from. It'd be quite nice. I like to see the two up front's going to be. It'd be quite nice if we could transplant Sadio Mane into the team. That is for sure. So has Scott McTominay oh, take him in a minute? Has, exactly. <laughs> has Scott McTominay been binned then? Um, that that defensive experiment having you see that as having failed, Barry? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say binned. It's it's a bit disrespectful he's not on your team no he's not yeah, on my team but he's I, I not just, selected for this think, occasion yeah listen sometimes you've got to change personnel um, and that's what I've done in this <laughs> occasion but I mean that he's he, I, I, he's a, he is a quality player he is he? and he's listen, playing at such a high level you don't play at Man United or you're not involved in the Man United squad first team squad if you've not got certain qualities and Scott McTominay has got certain qualities but uh, again as I said look I, I thought he got unfair criticism um, it's not his natural position I can see I'm playing that in the future um, but midfield for me is the strongest part of uh, the Scotland team yeah, so it's a, it's you've a got to fight. Yeah, you've got to fight to get in that place there's a lot of quality I mean I could pick any of the, the guys that are involved in, in Stevie Clark's um, squad in that midfield area better get your team complete then with a couple of strikers yep easy, easy pick for me Lyndon Dykes I thought he was fantastic the two games um, I'm sure everybody will agree with me um, there was a lot made will he make that step up I had no doubt in my mind I'd seen him plenty of times for Livingston he got his big move down to QPR and he's he's followed his Scotland form into, into playing with, with QPR in the Championship so he, he's a certain starter yeah. and I'm going to go with Lauren Shankland up beside him mm-hmm. he's back fit scoring goals um, so that's my that's my team so no Ryan Fraser no not fat enough just no no listen you never know I might change <laughs> I might change on Monday Could, would you, you put me under pressure to get this I know, I know. that's, I know. that's his team for I'm tonight I'm not changing my team I'm going for that Scotland to win um, 2-0 but you've made a profession out of reacting to pressure over the years and you've done it again in the yeah. course of the last couple of hours so that's my start in 11 and 2-0 Scotland there you go Okay, 2-0 Scotland, that's Barry's selection. What do you think? Uh, get in touch with us uh, with your starting eleven for Scotland. And we're back tomorrow as we look forward to Celtic and Rangers in those massive Europa League matches. This has been the Go Radio Football Show. Back tomorrow at five.